It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's show, I'm breaking down my list of the top 10 prospects in the Mets system heading into the 2024 season. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we're going to be breaking down my top 10 prospects in the Mets system. In the first segment, I'll go through my debate at the absolute top, Jet Williams or Drew Gilbert, and round out our top three. In this second segment, we're going to look at numbers four through six. Had a real debate between number four and five. We'll get into it. Then in the final segment, I'll break down my final four of the top ten prospects in this system. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, Use the code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. So, top 10 prospects in the Mets system. This is a show that I look forward to each year and also one that concerns me because you can look really bad when you put out a top 10 list. And I did last year. I'll own it. My top five prospects last season Brett Beatty above Francisco Alvarez. Big mistake on my part. Number three, I had Ronnie Mauricio. Uh, number four, I think I had Alex Ramirez. And number five, I had Kevin Parada. And both of those guys fell off in a big way. Did an entire show about their drop-off a couple weeks ago. You don't always get these things right. But going into a season, here is where I'm at with the Mets farm system. And we begin at the tippy top with Jet Williams or Drew Gilbert. I have agonized about this on this show for months now. And I will also note that I feel more prepared for this episode this year than I did a year ago because of the direction of the franchise, quite frankly, last off season, I was focused on transactions for most of that time because the Mets were making a ton of moves. We were going over how Justin Verlander and Kodai Sanga were going to fit into the rotation. And uh, of course the departure of Jacob deGrom and a team coming off 101 wins. Well now since the trade deadline, all we've had to focus on is prospects. So I think as the direction of the franchise has changed, this show has changed a little bit too. And I do um, really appreciate having the farm system to fall on during this time. It's something to cover. And it's been a lot of fun learning as much as I can about all these guys. So again, Jet or Drew Gilbert? This was a tough one for me because Drew Gilbert made a really good first impression when he came over in that trade with uh, you know the Mets sending out Justin Verlander. In his 35 games with the Binghamton Rumble Ponies, he hit 325 with a 423 on base and a 561 slug. Had six home runs. He's always been known for his defense, the motor that he plays with, and the way that he was able to put it together with the bat, hitting over 300, getting on base at that clip. It really did open a lot of eyes. And I thought long and hard about putting him number one, but I could not do it. 
like a lot of outlets, I got Jet Williams as the number one prospect in this system. Why Jet over Drew? We'll start with the age. He's 20. Drew Gilbert's 23. The fact that Jet was able to rise up to double A last year as a teenager was so impressive. He hit 299 in high A with a 451 on base and a 567 slug. His walk rate at both low A and high A was around 20%, which is remarkable. And when I look at what Drew Gilbert is better than Jet Williams at right now, which what I would say is the defense, you know, Drew Gilbert is a more well-rounded fielder at this stage. Um, I would say the power for sure. The hit tool, it's close between the two of them, but you could give the edge to Drew Gilbert if you said, you know, you had to put one of them in a big league lineup right now. Who's going to fare better? I would say Drew Gilbert, but he's further along in his career. Jet Williams with that plate discipline as the foundation, plus the fact that I believe he's a better athlete overall, the speed that he has is ridiculous and the way he can impact the game on the bases and the way I think long-term he's going to impact the game out in center field. To me, that was the the big difference maker. You know, I, I look at Jet and he could be a shortstop, of course. That's, you know, what he's come up as so far, but he also got a lot of time in center last year. And with Lindor, as the starting shortstop with Jeff McNeil under contract, Luis and Helicuna, who could be your starting second baseman, Ronnie Mauricio, a lot of guys that could play there. I think he's going to end up in center. I think Drew Gilbert's going to end up in right. And with Jet, what I see is a guy that could be leading off of the New York Mets for a decade or a decade plus. With that on-base prowess and then the stolen bases last year, he swiped 45 in his first full season. That was in 52 attempts. He went 32 of 38 in Port St. Lucie. And then when he got the bump up to high A, he went 12 for 13. So to be an efficient base dealer is big. Drew Gilbert stole 12 bases on 17 attempts. So not nearly as efficient. I just think Jet can impact the game in more ways. That's not a knock on Drew Gilbert. I think both of these guys are above average starters for the Mets for a very long time. And I am already dreaming about the outfield that has Brandon Nimmo in left, Jet Williams in center, and Drew Gilbert in right, and I think that's your starting outfield as soon as 2025, potentially. So those two guys, to me, are in a tier of their own in this system. Luis and Acuna comes in at number three, but I think there's a pretty big gap between Acuna and these two guys. Now, we've talked about Acuna a lot this offseason. Elite base dealer, probably the best base runner in the Mets system, maybe the fastest guy. Really good infield defender. I mean, he's maybe the best shortstop that they have in the system right now. Um, I think he can play third base, which would be interesting this season, depending on what happens with Brett Beatty. Long-term, I do envision him at second, as I'm sure the Mets do. They're already putting him next to Lindor, building that chemistry, because that could be your double play combination in Queens for a very, very long time. But I think there's still some questions about the hit tool. Is he going to be able to put it together? At the big league level, the play discipline is good, but it's not elite like Jet Williams. And I think Drew Gilbert might be a shade above him as well. So Acuna is a really good prospect. I think he's got the ceiling of being an above average uh, starting second baseman. And I think his floor is remarkably high too, because I know I've talked about it on past podcasts where I was breaking down his ability to fill a super utility role that Ronnie Mauricio could have filled this year. I think that. Acuna, with that defense and the speed, the ability for him to come off your bench and play in a bunch of spots and you know, you know, 
sub in at second and third and short and you know all three spots in the outfield while coming in and stealing a base late in the game. He's going to provide a lot of value on this roster if he remains with the Mets long term. Um, it's just a matter of if he's going to be able to hit enough to be a everyday starter or if he ends up being someone that is a little bit more of a bench piece that um, isn't featured quite as often. But these three guys could all be heavily featured on this team for a long time. And, you know, I did another show recently breaking down this trio and comparing them to Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, and insert a third name as far as waves of prospects. Collectively, this group, I think, is the best wave the Mets have had in a very long time. So uh, it's exciting to see where they could end up. And the fact that you do still have an Alvarez at his age that's on this team with these guys for a long time. The future is very bright with the New York Mets with what they have started to develop in their farm system, what's already starting to percolate at the big league level. And even as we'll talk about a little bit more um, on the show, what's even further down the pipeline. I, I think the Mets are going to have that sustainable winner at some point here. Um, and you might not have to wait that long to get there. But we're going to talk about number four and five in this system next, as well as where I put Ronnie Mauricio. Hint, he's not four or five. Uh, but we'll talk about the debate I had at, at that juncture in the middle of this top 10 in just a minute. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. Game Time is a fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you with killer deals on last minute tickets. Which brings me to today's game for the Mets in the Grapefruit League. They're playing the Houston Astros. 6.05 start. Let's look at the tickets. The lowest price you can find is sitting out in the lawn there uh, for the Astros Park at $17. But there's a seat I'm looking at now that is kind of just off center behind home plate or just down the first baseline behind home plate. That's $26. So you can find some great deals with all-in prices up front so you know exactly what to expect. Um, you know, when you're checking out, buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, you're all set. And they sell tickets up to the start of the event, even an hour after it starts. So if you're heading late to the game, sweet, and you might get an even better deal. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Down the Game Time app, create an account, use the code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code locked on for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. When you look at the New York Mets farm system right now, I think the top three were pretty clear. But beyond that, a lot of debate can be had, which brings me to number four. If you've been listening to the show the last couple of weeks, this answer is probably not going to surprise you. You can guess the name based on how much I have talked about this pitcher. Yes, I got Christian Scott number four. Top pitching prospect in the Mets system. I don't even want to spend too much time on him because I've done that. There's been a bunch of shows I just had a full show on the prospects who have uh, rose the most in this system over the last year. I talked about Scott and Jet Williams, who are ranked number one as far as overall in the system and the number one pitching prospect in the system uh, in my eyes right now. You can go back, you can listen to that show. Or even further back, I broke down the pitchers who are most ready for opening day. I spent a lot of time on all of the top pitching prospects in the system between Christian Scott, Mike Vassell, Dominic Hamill, and Blade Tidwell. I want to instead talk about the debate that I had because number five is Ryan Clifford. 
And I would not fault anyone for putting Ryan Clifford number four. And I would probably assume that consensus right now probably would be to have Clifford four. He's got the best power in this system. He's 20 years old. In 58 games with the Houston Astros high A affiliate before the trade where he came over with Drew Gilbert, he hit 271 with a 356 on base and a 547 slug. Had 16 home runs. And because of that, I was more excited about Clifford when the Mets made that trade than Gilbert simply because this is a farm system that's sort of devoid of power. So I understood that Gilbert was the better prospect. But Clifford was the prospect I felt like this system needed. A guy that could run into some baseballs and hit a lot of homers. He did not hit as well, though, once he came to the Mets. And I don't want to fault him too much for that. But with Brooklyn, he hit 188, 307 on base, 376 slug with six home runs in 32 games. The strikeouts ballooned. He had a 24.8% strikeout rate prior to the trade in high A after it was 36.4. Now his walks went up as well. Walk rate was 12.9%. Prior to that, it was 8.4%. Maybe he got a little bit of name recognition with that big trade and guys were pitching around him a little bit and he was chasing more. But that strikeout rate concerns me. The power though is something to really dream on. There is every chance that Ryan Clifford becomes the top prospect in this system heading into next year. Every chance. If you had to you know, put odds on it, he's maybe the favorite to do that because there's a chance that the top four guys that we've talked about today all graduate. But what Clifford has that concerns me, it's just what's that hit tool going to be? How much is he going to chase? Is he going to strike out too much? Also defensively. He's got a great arm, so he could be a right fielder, but he might not be quick enough to hang out in the outfield. He might have to move into first base, where his arm's not going to do much for you. So if he ends up being a first baseman who strikes out too much, doesn't hit quite enough, well, then he could fall off. And if you look at Baseball America, they write in his future value. They say it's tied to his bat. They say if he develops plus power and on-base ability, he could hit in the middle of a big league lineup. If not, He becomes more of a 4A hitter. The fact that there is that floor that can drop out is what had me put him behind Christian Scott because I do believe that Christian Scott will be a big league starting pitcher. And while I still think that Clifford has a really good chance to be a slugger that really impacts the baseball in the big leagues, it's just very early to know for sure. And that strikeout rate that he put up is concerning when he's not, buoyed by a great glove, like someone who also has some questions with the bat like Acuna does, but he has all the makings of being a big contributor in some way. Clifford, if he doesn't hit, the value is going to be harder to find. So that's why I got him number five. But if I had to look ahead to this season, there might not be a prospect I'm more interested in in this system just to see what he does because I imagine he gets himself to double A if he doesn't just start the year in double A. And now he's facing some really good pitchers. How does he handle them? Has he had a good offseason? Does he make adjustments he needs to and have a monster year? He's got all the potential in the world to do that. Number six is Ronnie Mauricio. And we've all seen Ronnie. We know what he's about. Baseball America has Ronnie Mauricio number two in the Mets system. And it's hard to rank a guy that's already made his debut that would have graduated this year had he not blown an ACL in in the Dominican Winter League. Uh, But the reason why I had Mauricio below these other five guys, 
I've talked about him a lot as well, but his OPS in Syracuse last year was 852. It was great. That was the first time in his minor league career that it's had an OPS over 800. Now, look at Drew Gilbert last season. He had an 868 OPS. Look at Jet Williams. He had an 876 OPS. Ryan Clifford just had an 854 OPS in his first full season. So all of those years prior to last year, Ronnie Mauricio struggled with the bat. And defensively, while you look at the athlete and say, man, guy's a stud, he has not been the most sure-handed fielder. I don't know if he's a, well, he's not a shortstop on the Mets. I don't know if he's going to be a third baseman in the big leagues, a second baseman. They tried him in the outfield. It didn't work. So I love the idea of Ronnie Mauricio. The power is great. And if you're sort of looking at these five top position players, you have a ton of power to dream on with Mauricio and Clifford. But the reason why they're below the top three when it comes to the position players is those guys are just more well-rounded. They're going to be able to impact the game defensively. Now, Mauricio does have some speed. He has improved stealing bases. So that's good that he's added that to his bag. And that helps him a lot. But he's not a Cunha or Jet on the bases. And so ultimately, I have him at six. um, But it's also really hard to rank him in this system. So that's my top six. Beyond that, it gets a little bit more difficult uh, it's harder to zero in on exactly the names to spotlight, but I came up with the bottom four of this top 10 for me. So we'll go through two more pitchers and two more hitters in just a minute. Before we get to that, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. It's $150 if your bet wins. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets. Live same game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Also, right now, we got MLB futures season. So, if you want to bet on the Mets to make the playoffs, to hit their over-under on their wins, to win the World Series if you're really crazy, or if you want to bet on some individual players like Pete Alonso hitting over 41.5 home runs, you can find all of that at FanDuel. And again, remember, you place that $5 money line bet first on an NBA game or anything else you can find that's going on right now. If you win that, you get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. New game day shirt? Boom. Cash back. Food for the tailgate? Boom. Cash back. Even buying around can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank. Member FDIC. Let's dive into the final four of my top 10 prospects in the Mets system. We begin with Blade Tidwell, who checks in at number seven. Of course, Tidwell, the right-handed pitcher who was drafted in the second round back in 2022 by the Mets. He's 22 years old. In high last year, he pitched to a 3.09 ERA in 17 starts. He flat out dominated. He struck out 112 batters in 81 and two-third innings pitch. Goes up to double-A for eight starts, and naturally he struggled adjusting to that league. Pitched to a 4.72 ERA. That was in 34 and a third innings pitched. 
He struck out 10.7 batters per nine, which was a drop off from his strikeout per nine um, in high, which I think was over 12. When you look at Blade Tidwell, it's a great fastball, a really good slider. Baseball America ranks tools um, for a farm system. So the best infield defender was Luis Angel Acuna. The most power, I think, was Ronnie Mauricio. They also have best pitches. So best fastball and best slider both went to Tidwell heading into this season, which says a lot. Now, I broke down, like I already mentioned on today's show, the four pitching prospects closest to the big leagues, the four impact guys in Tidwell, Dominic Hamill, Mike Vassell, and Christian Scott in an episode earlier this offseason. And I did a lot of pitch data analysis through that that show, data I was able to get for working or from just baseball. And what you notice from Tidwell um, aligns with what Baseball America says, fastball slider. There is a stat that I was able to look at called non-competitive percentage. How many pitches are just not competitive, which is very important for a prospect because if they're toying with a curveball, but it's barely in the zone and the non-competitive percentage is 40%, it's not a good pitch. For Tidwell's offerings, because he has a four-pitch mix, he's got the fastball, the slider, a curveball, and a changeup. His fastball's non-competitive percentage was 14.8%. Not bad. Slider was 98 so that shows you the command he has of his slider. That for the most part, those are competitive pitches. They're either in the zone or they are effectively out of the zone getting chase. His changeup and his curveball both had a non-competitive percentage of around 25%. So that means one in every four changeups he throws is just not competitive. That's not a pitch that's going to survive in the big leagues. you got to be able to have offerings that have some value to you. doesn't mean they all have to be in the zone, but... A competitive pitch can be out of the zone, but something that batters will at least think about swinging at. If he spikes a changeup, it's not helping him. So that's what he's got to work on, that third pitch. Also command, the walks did go up um, when he went to double A, which is natural, uh, but he's got to get that under control. A guy with this good stuff, sometimes you're trusting your stuff so much out of the zone because you think you're going to get chase, and if you don't, you start walking, guys, you run into problems. So he's got some clear things to work on. But that fastball slider base that he has, it tells you if nothing else, he's going to be a really good high-end reliever um, if he can't make it work as a starter. But he's still got every chance to be a, a frontline starting pitcher um, who could be a number two probably. So I think it was no question for me that he should be um, at number seven here. You could have make it, made an argument for him over Mauricio in my eyes, honestly. Um, but Mauricio's a big leaguer. and. There's still a wide range of outcomes on Tidwell. Number eight, uh, also one last stat I did have here. When it comes to the changeup, there is some hope because the end zone whiffs he got on that pitch last year was 37.5%. It was actually his best pitch when it came to end zone whiff percentage. So that's in the strike zone, guys swinging through it. There is chance, or there is a chance that that pitch um, could be really good. He's just got to work on it and, and hone it this year. All right, number eight is Mike Vassell. You can say he might have the most complete four-pitch arsenal um, of any of the Mets pitching prospects right now. It's just not as high-end as Scott or Tidwell. But he also is probably the closest. I mean, he was up in AAA last year, uh, fared much better in AA. We had a 3.71 ERA, went to triple. That ERA ballooned to 5.30. It is hard to pitch in Syracuse. So um, that's not as bad as it looks on paper. With that said, 
there are some things that did look bad, like his walks. They ballooned. He was at a 1.4 per nine walk rate in double A. That tripled about, not quite, but close. 4.7 per nine in triple A. Uh, he gave up more hits. So his whip went from 0.84 to 1.48. So you go from giving up less than a base runner per inning um, in double to about a base runner and a half per inning um, when he got up to triple A. So that's a little bit concerning. What could have happened there? You know, if you're facing tougher competition, stuff isn't playing quite as well. Your, your command's not where you need it to be. You're falling behind more. That's leading to the walks. And then you're trying to battle back into counts. You're giving on more hits. But when it comes to his strikeout rate and his home run per nine, both of them were about the same. So he wasn't getting crushed more. Uh, he wasn't, uh, you know, in a position where he was no longer missing bats. So that does tell you that with some more time and development, he can get there and be prime over back end starter, but a big league starter nonetheless, which is pretty valuable. Number nine in the system, I got Colin Houck, who was Nats' first round draft pick last year. He turned 19 years old in September. This is a, a first full season for Houck. We really don't know much of anything other than the fact that the Mets loved him in the draft. He was a dual sports star in high school, could have gone and played college football as a quarterback which anytime you get that, you always just feel better about the athlete. If he was a quarterback and a shortstop, he was probably the best dude on every team he ever played on throughout his youth sports life. Um, he's six foot two. There is chance that he can develop some power. So I'm just excited to see what he does. And I think the funny thing about Hauk right now uh, in this system is because he's a first round draft pick, he's going to be the starting shortstop in Port St. Lucie. But there might be two or three guys that are on that team with him that are a better defensive shortstops. You got Marco Vargas, Jeremy Rodriguez. Uh, you know, there's some names that are Jesus Baez, I think the third one. Um, these are guys that are probably all going to be on that team. I don't know how you mix the playing time. I don't know if you stick one in double A just because they're going to have some, some uh, interesting decisions to make when it comes to how they figure out playing time for all these guys. But Hauk as the first round pick should just get priority right um that moves us to number 10 who is it gonna be you know it's almost like the mr irrelevant of a top 10 but if you're a top 10 prospect it's really good there was a lot of guys i considered i didn't want to put kevin parada here but i did names that i considered bumping him for dominic hamill close to the big leagues you know could be a back-end starter maybe he makes it up this year more likely 2025 but a guy that could get big league innings. Brandon Sprout, another high potential starting pitcher, has the floor of a really good reliever, high draft pick. Haven't seen a lot of him yet, though. Then there's Alex Ramirez. And it feels foolish to do it this way, but there was part of me, just from seeing how comfortable Ramirez looks in the box in spring training and how uncomfortable Parada looks, that I almost just wanted to give the, the nod to Alex Ramirez because defensively in center field he brings great value parada behind the dish really does it he's got to hit and he hasn't hit you could say i'm really hard on him i did a whole show on it i don't need to rip on him anymore but i will tell you that i'm gonna have arm layton who uh is the co-founder of just baseball and he is a prospect analyst this is what he does day in day out he eats sleeps breathes it um right now he's actually working on the mets top 15 uh for the site I'm going to have him on the show to break down everything um, once that list comes out. It might even be a two-parter because 
he's going to be in the lab or he is in the lab nonstop watching video on all these guys. I will give you a little spoiler about that podcast. He hates Kevin Parada. I think he said he might even put him in the top 15. So he can wear it for the audience that still loves Parada and we'll really get into it then. Uh, but I felt like I had to keep him on the top 10 for now. Um, but I would not be surprised if he has another bad season and falls off of it. I, I really wouldn't. We'll see. I hope he proves me wrong. Um, and he shoots up this list and he, you know, I have egg on my face, but right now with what we see, I couldn't put him any higher than 10. I'll just leave it at that tomorrow's show. I'm going to discuss guys beyond the top 10. So we'll kind of call it our just missed of the top 10 list uh, to close out the week on more prospect stuff. Great for league action happened. Uh, Trace Thompson had a big game. He homered again. He hit a double exit velocity was great off the bat. That's a storyline we will follow throughout spring training. And we could talk about dark horses that can make the team. Uh, so we'll get to that down the line, but we're focusing on prospects to close out the week. I appreciate all of you who tuned into the show today. Uh, make sure you follow rate and review wherever you get your podcast. If you want to be part of our locked on Mets insider program, you can find the link in the episode description. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, please hit that subscribe button. We're trying to get to 8,000 subs by opening day. So appreciate all of you who subscribed. You can follow me on X at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day or, for, or your first watch. Now, for your second watch, head over to YouTube and watch the Locked On Sports Today channel, which is the first ever 24-7 streaming channel. Covers everything in the world of sports with our local experts from each team and our league-wide experts from each league. You can find Locked On Sports Today streaming 24-7 on YouTube. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.